The college admissions process is a strange, mysterious ritual with little transparency and that often leaves high school seniors scratching their heads and wondering what on earth is expected of them. Do schools want grades, or SATs, or ACTs, or is it all about the extracurriculars? Is it about the volunteer work, or the AP classes, or just a good essay about some sad life story? It seems to change every year, school by school, so no one really knows. Look, I just want to basically come to your school and do some book learning, okay? I've only got my grade 10, which I don't think is a big deal, some people might. But thanks to the Wall Street Journal, both students and their loved ones are now getting a little more insight into the SATs and how colleges might consider these scores going forward. Today, we're talking about the new SAT adversity score and what it is and what it isn't. When I first heard about this new score and first read the headlines, my first thought was that it would just be another way of adding or subtracting points based on race. In recent years, several elite colleges were accused of discrimination against Asian Americans in their admissions process, prompting an investigation by the Justice Department. This investigation, a lawsuit against Harvard, and 64 public claims by Asian Americans have largely been dismissed by the news media as a ploy to hurt black and Hispanic people by dismantling affirmative action. But regardless, these things do all exist. According to a 2009 book by Princeton sociologists, Asian Americans actually have the lowest acceptance rate at every SAT score bracket. According to the book, they face such a penalty that they have to score, on average, approximately 140 points higher than white students, 270 points higher than Hispanic students, and 450 points higher than black students in order to have an even playing field. Vox, which no one should really pay attention to because it's Vox, even went so far as to chastise members of the Asian American Coalition for Education, the group that filed the original DOJ complaint, and called them ideal allies for white anti-informative action conservatives that are playing the victim card. Despite the Harvard lawsuit, it's no secret that colleges have been pushing for more and more diversity over the last few years, even going so far as to hire people specifically to serve as diversity directors, even though, as I showed in this video, <laughs> those positions do nothing to actually gain or maintain campus diversity. In reality, all they really do is cost colleges and taxpayers boatloads of money for the job of virtue signaling. What is three times three? Yes? Nine. Wrong. Yes, Penelope. Gender equality. Very good, Penelope. Simultaneously to all these problems with the admissions process and diversity quotas, the SAT itself has been accused of giving middle-class white students an unfair advantage over poor students of color or of favoring students with access to better education in general. This is where the adversity score comes in, and surprisingly, it doesn't consider race. Well, at least not directly. The idea of an adversity score is nothing new, and in fact, the College Board, which is the company that administers the SAT, has been toying with the idea for years. Inside Higher Ed actually reported the score's pilot program back in early 2017. 
They're calling this new scoring system the Environment Context Dashboard, and it's supposed to help colleges decide who best deserves a spot at school by gauging how socioeconomically disadvantaged they are. In fact, during the pilot program, one college said it would have changed up to 20% of its admissions decisions. Whether or not that's a good thing is still up for debate. You can go to college and get your little PFD or whatever the f it's called, I don't care. So here's how it works. When a student takes the SAT or PSAT, they're also told to enter in information about where they live and what high school they go to. That information and that information alone, which is important later, is then supposed to be used to create an index on adversity based on their high school environment, neighborhood environment, and their family environment, even though they don't provide any information whatsoever about their family. Nonetheless, each of these three environments is scored based on census, crime, and poverty data. High school scores are determined by the rate at which students aren't accepted into college, the percentage of kids getting free or reduced lunch, and how strong the school's advanced placement curriculum is. Neighborhood scores are based on housing values, crime rates, and how many empty or foreclosed homes are nearby. And then the family score is based on parental education and whether or not the student is being raised in a single parent household. But again, this is based on the average stats for the neighborhood. There is no individualized information here. The new scoring system takes into account 31 broad data points altogether and lumps them all together to give the student a score between 1 and 100, with 50 being the average level of disadvantage. According to one of the VPs over at the College Board, this index is supposed to help colleges determine which of their applicants have faced serious adversity, even though these stats this score is supposed to provide completely fall apart at the individual level. On the one hand, it's good that the score doesn't account for race because college acceptances should be based on merit. Colleges look at students as investments trying to gauge how successful they'll be so that the school has another success story that can potentially donate tons and tons of money later on as an alumni. Giving anything to anyone just on the pretext of race does a disservice to those people as it's sort of like saying, hey, we don't think you, as a group, are capable of making it on your own. And growing up poor or in a bad neighborhood or not having access to good education isn't something exclusive to people of color. If it was, we wouldn't have the whole stereotype of the dumb redneck white guy living in the trailer park, and we certainly wouldn't have juggalos. Magnets, how do they work? And I don't want to talk to a scientist. Y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed. Slate of all sources, agrees with me on this one. Slate also worries that colleges might use the stats to make assumptions about race based on stereotype, which is a valid point. Never thought I would use Slate and valid point in the same sentence. The biggest problem is that this adversity score turns the individual into a data set with the same exact score as everyone else in their high school and everyone else in their neighborhood. All nuances just poof. Gone. The College Board claims that it takes into account things like the student having a single parent, but that's not actually true. It only takes into account the percentage of single parent households in the student's neighborhood, not whether or not he or she actually lives in one of them. 
It doesn't account for two-parent households in which one parent is terminally ill nor has a drug problem. It doesn't account for families going through messy divorces. And it doesn't account for the families struggling to stay afloat in the middle-class neighborhood. I can tell you, as the poor kid with the two sizes too big secondhand uniforms at the preppy Catholic school, this adversity score probably wouldn't have helped me. And it won't help other kids in similar situations, especially considering that in some states, schools are required by law to bus kids around to different areas to fill racial and socioeconomic quotas. So it's entirely possible that the kid being bused to the cushy school district is actually from the gutters of Dorchester, and he's going to get fewer adversity points just because this public school happens to offer more AP classes, even though he himself is getting free or reduced lunch and is on a payment plan for the required school laptop. Interestingly, while the adversity score doesn't account for race, it's not exactly for lack of trying. A director from Georgetown was quoted as telling an interviewer, the purpose is to get to race without using race. According to that same VP mentioned earlier, some admissions officers work in states that prohibit the use of race as a factor in admissions, and thus race had to be excluded so that the tool could be used by everyone. Some of the pilot schools said that this helped them build a more diverse student body, rely less on stereotypes, and accept more disadvantaged students. Critics, surprisingly, actually aren't harping on the lack of individualized information, but rather on the exclusion of race. Some, like the CEO of College Track, have argued that race should be included in discussions of merit, and that merit should be, at least partially, based on race. So then that brings the question, are they only getting admitted because of their level of perceived disadvantage? Will schools end up being expected to fill disadvantage quotas instead of diversity quotas? Again, to me, that runs into the slippery slope of acting like people can only make it if they're given handouts. And that's just kind of insulting. One suggestion offered by Time is actually to include race and weigh it more heavily and then provide a sample if they were white score. That seems a little f***ed up. Time also complains that the score is trying to be colorblind, which is bad. This personally is a really weird flex because when I was in school, all my diversity classes, even those at my diverse inner city college, taught that colorblindness was the ideal. And many of these classes were even taught by people of color. So weird, but I guess that that's wrong now and not what we're supposed to do. Speaking of blind, students also won't get to see these adversity scores, leaving them just as in the dark as before. They also don't get to know the algorithms deciding who is and isn't disadvantaged. I can say. <sighs> In the end, the SAT is kind of a crock anyway. It doesn't prove much beyond someone's ability to memorize answers and spit them back out in the allotted amount of time. If you can afford a prep class, you're probably going to do better than the kid who can't, and that's just the way that it is. Ultimately, I don't think that considering a student's level of hardship is a bad thing. I think that, in the face of adversity, academic achievement is even more impressive and thus should be rewarded. The kid pulling straight A's over on the south side of Chicago should have just as much of a chance as the kid pulling A's in some nice suburb in Connecticut. But I do think that the score, while maybe a good idea in theory, hides the individual in favor of group statistics. And the individual is the smallest ultimate minority. 
So step in the right direction? Maybe if you're into standardized tests, but it's certainly not a solution. That is your Liberty Related News for the week. Please don't forget to like, share, or subscribe, drop a comment down below, or if you are one of the people that are now on the multitude of podcast platforms listening to the audio-only version of this, please, if you're on iTunes, for example, drop me a review. Five stars would be much appreciated. <laughs> and if you really like my channel or podcasts and would like to help in other ways, you can do so over at Patreon or through a one-time donation through PayPal or crypto. Until next time, thanks for watching or listening and helping me to spread the message of liberty.